Welcome back to another episode of Unboxing with Ashley, the podcast where we unpack life and try to understand the good, the bad, and everything in between. For this episode, I have a very special guest. We met through the Mastering College to Career program and we connected through our mutual mentor. And today we're going to be unpacking the Black Lives Matter movement and what diversity and inclusion means to us. It's a very interesting episode. I suggest you grab a glass of wine, strap in if you're driving or get some popcorn. I know Jay from the professional side. Like I know your professional and academic story and definitely we'll be linking that story because your story is just great. And, you know, in such a short time and and only talking to you like three times, I'm like, this is one of my favorite people on the internet for sure. Like you're gonna go so far and I just know it. Um, But I want to know more about like you, like Jay, and it's especially like Mama J, like where does that come from as well? <laughs> okay, well, um, my name is Jordan Alford, but you can call me J or Mama J. Um, I'll get into that story in a little bit, but I'll start with- For sure. So I am from St. Joseph, Missouri, which is about 45 minutes outside of Kansas City, Missouri. I'm literally, St. Joseph is a really small town. We have, well, it's a semi-small town. Um, we have about 70,000 people, close to 70,000, 80,000. And I literally lived there my whole life. I probably lived in Kansas City for uh, from like kindergarten age up until second grade. But other than that, like I was in St. Joe, born and raised in St. Joe. So I have a mom and a dad, of course. <laughs> my mom, I mean, some people, you know, you never know. You never know. <laughs> I grew up with both my parents. Um, my mom, she is also from St. Joe. And she has like seven siblings. <laughs> and um, my dad, he grew up from Kansas City and he has five siblings. On my mom's side, I am the third oldest grandchild. And on my dad's side, I'm the first oldest. So oh, wow. there's lots of little kids below me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and they, oh yeah, my mom's from St. Joe, my dad's from Kansas City. Um, my brother, I have a brother. And in between me and my brother, we did have a little sister, but she passed. Uh, when we were younger, she was in between us. Uh, her name was Robin. And, uh, oh, I've had seven dogs, random, but like I've had seven wow. dogs in my life, but they've never lasted that long. Like we, <laughs> we, we try to have, be a dog family, but like my dad's a musician and my mom worked with the company, worked with the business for a long time. And we just were too busy as a family. So we never got to keep up with our dogs. In high school, I... Uh, started dance well I always danced I was a praise dancer in church my whole family grew up in church all my dad's side is mostly pastors on my mom's side is mostly pastors so <laughs> we had to have some kind of doing in the church that's where I started dance I didn't have any official training because I didn't have any you know we didn't have money like that so I didn't get to take classes um, really until I got to college um, but in high school, I somehow made the high school dance team. And I was just like, whoa. Ooh. So they took me under their wing, trained me there. Um, and then in college, I went to Lincoln University and I got some more formal training there. Um, I went on a dance scholarship. 
um, did some choir, and then of course my dance story at Missouri Western. Everything really came. Mama J, honestly, started. I used to be Baby J. Okay, so okay, the evolution. Yes, I, I, I evolved. I used to be Baby J from my family. Um, and then it just kind of evolved because to all my friends, I've been a mother figure. And I can remember literally as soon as like, I would say like fifth or sixth grade, I remember this time, this, our school took a field trip and we went to like um, a skate park. Well, we went to a park, but like they had like a little skate ramp thing. And I just remember like all the kids like, sliding down the thing and I was just like okay everyone here we go <laughs> everybody and I remember my teachers saying like um you know she's such a mom <laughs> she's <laughs> such a mother and then as we got to high school um one of my dance sisters Ashton she just was the one who just said mama J," and then it literally just stuck since like my sophomore year in high school I had this um co-worker who once you know, once told me that myself as a Puerto Rican couldn't claim that I was Black. And I was very confused. You know, being Puerto Rican includes the Spanish descendant, descendants, Tainos, which is our, like our Native American, like our Native um, Americans, um, and African, like the African culture. So we have all those three and those three makes <laughs> Puerto Ricans. <laughs> like that's, so it's kind of like, you know, from that moment on, I stopped, you know, it's not that I claimed it, but I stopped even referring to it and, and stopped on, um, well, that's another topic, the whole like job applications and hitting, yeah. like kind of ident self-identifying. I, I, I always do two or more races because I have no clue right. what to do. <laughs> Literally, like I, we just had a conversation like this um, at Sweetfish because they had like a whole um, like a company get together, just like not even serious, just like oh. about topics, any kind of topics every month. And um, the last one that we had was about diversity and culture. And so they had everybody come and like, um, it, it was literally like around the water cooler. It wasn't like professional. I mean, you know, it was just a good time anyway, but it gave me a level of anxiety that I was not like prepared like I'm normally I talk about this stuff all the time like you know me like, yeah. I, like I literally talk about it for everything but they wanted us to um come prepared with like your own culture like if you have um like drinks from your culture if you have food from your culture if you have whatever from your culture and it kind of gave me anxiety because I was like well I claim to be black <laughs> but like I don't I don't know what that is like I don't know where I come from I don't like we don't have like traditional drink or traditional yeah. headdress or you know what I mean like I don't know if I'm from Ghana or not and like yeah. literally you could take the ancestry.com or yeah. those but it only goes back so far like it literally goes back to when you're on the ship it doesn't go back and then again, even still that doesn't like it doesn't go back that far either like it goes back to how far they documented even though we don't have like we don't know where our great 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 grandfathers came from black culture still is a culture and we still have a, a large influence on other cultures um, as African Americans, but yeah, that's a whole nother talk. I've heard this this go back and forth this debate, yeah, different, yeah, debate between a lot of different people, and I say we all black <laughs> because honestly, <laughs> here's my deal. Um, 
And I, I've heard it on both sides, from the black side or for the from the Hispanic side of, you know, no, you're not black. But the difference of where you got dropped off on the ship is what makes a difference of where you are, uh, right. of what you claim. And that, that sucks that it sounds bad, but like literally um, Africa's the motherland. So um, whether you're Dominican or Cuban or Puerto Rican, I say we're all black. We come in all shapes and sizes and colors. I feel like identity and, and sometimes when we're faced with situations where it's like, oh, show off where you came from. Okay. You know, I, I feel like if I ever encounter something like that at work where it's like, okay, showcase where you came from. I'm like, oh, for sure. I'm going to bring, you know, Puerto Rican dishes and drinks and, you know, and all of that. But now you made me think like, well, I really don't know where my family comes from. Like, do we come from more of like the native side or did we come from the Spanish and African mixture? Like where exactly do we come from? And, and that I've never done ancestry.com to be honest. I wanna dive into, I feel like there's a moment in everyone's life where you have like an aha moment and, and you realize, huh, I'm different than this person next to me. I don't know when that moment was for my mom, but you know, my mom is darker skinned than her mom. She sees her grandma, her grandpa, her mom, and then her two brothers are also white skin side. You know, she for a period of time thought, you know, I'm adopted, that's what it is. And I'm wondering like, when did you ever have a moment like that? Or in, and if you did, when was that moment and how did, you know, how did it happen for you? From kindergarten to about second grade, because I remember that's when I, I started school in Kansas City and I went to predominantly black schools in Kansas City. Um, but when I got to St. Joseph in second grade, I was the only one of the only black students in the whole school. And so um, I, I remember clear as day, um, we were all in line, you know, second grade. And oh my God. I literally remember being in line. It was like my first or second day at school. One of the girls came up to me and she just was like, my mom said that black people are called N-words. And I was like, <gasps> no, 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 and no, like, no. I had known I didn't know necessarily what the full word was. Like I had no, yeah, like, yeah. I had heard that it was a bad word to say, but like, I didn't know like what it felt like until then. I just knew at second grade, like what you said to me was, was not, not nice. Yeah. Like I yeah. knew. And so I told the teacher, I felt like I was a kid up until that point where like you made me feel different. Like I'm already a new kid and then I'm already the only black girl, but like I'm trying yeah, my hardest here to fit in at a new school as a, a child. And then she said that. And like, again, that goes to, it was taught to her. She wasn't trying to hurt me. And then I don't think she understood the severity of her words because she got in trouble for it. In light of your story, when people see or say, I don't see race, I don't see color. And, you know, and sometimes I love looking at, at situations from both sides, you know, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad because I tend to be devil's advocate, but I'm, I'm trying to understand. And if I ever get someone who can explain that to me, that truly doesn't see race, you know, quote unquote, or color, you know, more than welcome to have that conversation. But what are, what are your thoughts? What, how do you interpret that? 
Um, I actually recently had this conversation with, um, she is a, a, a former teacher of mine. We just had the conversation and I made a post basically saying something along those lines, like you say you don't see color and I get that you're trying to come from a place of love when you say that, but it feels dismissive. It feels like you are just skipping over the issues um, because you do see color. Well, you know, this apple is red. You know, when you go to the stoplight, it's green or, you know, the, the green, yeah. yellow, you see color. For you to say that you don't see color makes it feel like you don't see me. You understand that culturally we're treated different and maybe that's what they're trying to express. Like, you know, I, I don't treat you differently based off of your color. I think that that's what they mean when they say yeah. like that. Okay. However, that verbiage sounds dismissive. You, it, it, it makes it feel and sound like you see the problems, you see what's going on, but because you don't do that, then it doesn't. Then matter. I'm not going to address it. it. Yes. Yes. It's, mm. it's very passive aggressive, I feel. And I feel like um, in the past, that's probably why we didn't get as far because like, I know you asked me a question um, that will be coming up soon, but um, as far as like being an ally, like for you to be silent and sit by and watch, it can't, it's not enough for you to just sit by and be like, well, I'm not doing that. So, you know, I don't have to say anything or that doesn't affect me. That's kind of how that verbiage sounds. But, and yeah. so for you to really want to be an ally and really say that you care the way that you do, for someone to say, I don't see color, um, is just not the right verbiage to say. You should explain, I don't judge you by your color instead or I don't judge you by your race or by your background but to say yeah. you see it sounds dismissive this is this is a whole other beast what I'm gonna ask next um and and I ask it because when when I did a whole paper on it I I learned a lot um are you familiar with the concept of aff affirmative action yes yes you know and, and if whoever's listening is not familiar with the concept I suggest you Google it because reading about it explains it so much better than my biased, you know, my biased definition of it. What do you think about, because this is something that when I started reading about this, it, it just boggled my mind. There are minority groups. Hispanics are minorities. Asians are minor minorities. Black people are minority. Point blank. Like for me, that's, that's how it is. How do you feel when with affirmative action, you know, companies and universities are trying to do the right thing, but then there's the excuse of, oh, if we utilize affirmative action to get them in our companies, in our universities, then the white people become minority and you're discriminating against me. Would that be accurate? an accurate representation like if if we start giving minorities a chance to shine does that mean that our white people are not shining um absolutely not let's just start there I don't think I don't believe that at all um I think that people who utilize that argument if you genuinely believe that a, a black person or a Hispanic person or an LGBTQ person or any person of minority having an opportunity takes away from your opportunity, then I, I just think that they are uneducated and they need to educate themselves more on the situation. Clearly, we're a minority for the reason, uh, for a reason, and um, you know, those, those actions had to be taken to give us a chance because we are the minority. Even if they were to hire an extra 50 
black people um, or an extra yeah. Hispanic people or an extra <laughs> whatever, you know, admit an extra 50 at a PWI, it's still predominantly a, a white institution. Everyone like in all cultures need to understand this. Like just because someone else has an opportunity, it doesn't take away from your own opportunity. It doesn't mean like when um, Hispanics come over, they're taking your jobs. You know, you guys are hard yep. work or, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, listen, and that <laughs> is a whole other thing. And so <laughs> understanding that just because you see someone else getting a leg up doesn't mean that you don't have that same opportunity. And if you do believe that that opportunity was taken from you, take that and create your own. And so, um, and our system has been and I really try hard and I, I go back and forth about this all the time, trying like not to have this connotation as the angry black woman. Uh, <laughs> I oh, and, and listen, that's, that in its entirety needs to be unpacked, which is yeah. like the whole point of, you know, this podcast, just like taking these topics and just like taking it out of, of the box. And, and now that you touched upon it, like that's such a stereotype. And, and I hear some people saying like, you know, it's a stereotype for a reason. Everybody gets angry. Yeah. You know, and the fact that we only utilize it with with black people and and we we kind of villainize our our black communities because we we have, you know? And and that's something that we can no longer excuse. There is a clear um distinction of how minorities are treated and how white people are treated. My stance is we need to address it. Like we need to accept there's a difference. Okay, now how do we move forward to um, blur the lines that for years and for generations have been there like all along? We've had to pave the way for each other because those lanes weren't created for us. We literally had to create them our own selves. And so us having an opportunity or somebody who decides to give us a leg up on one thing that doesn't mean that once we get there, it's going to be easier. It actually might be harder <laughs> once we get yeah. the opportunity because we might be the only one there in that lane. And so we have to make sure that we're on our P's and Q's and open doors for the rest of our generation and the rest of our community. Because if we mess up, then we mess it up for lines of people. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, that's such I a big that, burden. Yeah, it's such a big burden. And I don't know if there are, I'm sure that there are white people who, feel the same, that they have to pave the way for their families. I do know at a larger rate, minorities feel like that pressure to have to open the door and not mess up. You know, in, in this topic of paving the way, like creating opportunity, what does, you know, when a company says, now that we're, we're both, you know, young professionals, you you started an awesome job. So like, this is your first job out of college. What, what does it mean when you know, when you were looking for, for a job or just researching companies to even discover what you wanted, what does inclusion mean to you personally? Yeah. So when I was looking, everybody wants to, to go for the big ones. Like ultimately, yeah. I didn't know that Sweetfish was a thing until I met uh, Dick. Yeah. I did not want to get stuck. I just felt like there's a, a position right now for especially the recent grads in this time. Like if you're still in school, you're kind of safe. If you had been out of school for a little while, you're kind of safe. But I felt like my spring semester class specifically, I felt like I was gonna get stuck because of COVID. So I kind of was just making sure that I did everything that I could to prepare myself and feel like I was ready 
for a company, but I also did a lot of praying and I will speak my mind. So I needed to work at a company that is able to handle me. And I, that was one thing that I was not willing to, to budge on, like to give up. Yeah. (laughs) I was willing to take a lesser pay if you are able to take all of me, because at that point, or wait, or wait for it, because I know that I know what my worth is. I needed to be in a place where diversity was accepted and where um, that my voice was, you know, honored. And so I prayed a lot. And what diversity and inclusion means to me is just being in a place where, you know, everyone has their labels, they have their identity, but being in a place where all of those labels don't necessarily matter, your, your qualifications matter, and we can work together as a unit towards one goal, and then bring those labels in to help advance. And yeah. um, I definitely don't want people to like stunt who they are or anything like that. But I think that your label should enhance, you know, everything should, it should enhance. Yeah, it should then enhance. I, and I, I agree. And resonate with that, you know, for me, I now, now, especially because of who my number one company is, I've started to be more um, critical. And I've started to look at, okay, yeah, you preach diversity and inclusion. Let me look at how your executive leadership looks. Mm -hmm. Let me look at because, you know, sometimes when you look at a company, you look at a place to work, you're like, okay, if I could shoot for the stars, I would like to be, you know, everybody would like to be CEO of that company they fall in love with, right? So it's like, okay, if you do go that high, how does the room look like? Sadly, I don't think we'll ever get to a place where a room will be 100% diverse. At least I don't think I'll see it anytime soon. And, and that's very sad to say. Um, I hope my children see it. That's That's one thing. Like, I hope my children do do see a time where these conversations are like taught in history classes because they don't happen anymore because yeah. it's it's been you know quote unquote solved like they're not an issue anymore those labels that that you mentioned i feel like they they are important because they do make you who you are but it's not like i shouldn't be treated different because of my label it's just right. my label brings a uh, diversity in thought so sometimes you know, I, I feel like I relate this a lot with um, like when you're developing a product and for example, you, we say, oh, I want to create this. And then you have the woman in the room saying, you know what, that does not work for women. And then you present it again. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't work for this type of people. And it's like, okay. So, but if you don't have those type of people, like of people with those labels, you don't get that feedback with, with inclusion it also means I'm just like in shock of like the event you mentioned for your company, you know, Hey, we're going to have this, you know, this call bring food from, you know, from your culture, bring food from, you know, drinks and, and all of that. Like basically that's your company saying, hi, we have this open forum where you can express yourself. And like, and like you mentioned, I feel like a company that values who you are, outside of the professional realm that's that's a very valuable company to be in so I feel like you made a good choice for sure Um, right (laughs) I personally have been spoken to by by my mom like 
hey, you shouldn't say this on social media because what if a company sees it? In the last, I was going to say 10 years, but that's not true. Like maybe four, five years, I've started saying the phrase, well, if a company doesn't like that I talk about that, then that's not a company for me. I say like, I don't think young, young people are evaluating that. Like, yes, there's a line in social media that should, you know, lines that should never be crossed. And like, some things are for Facebook with your close friends and your family. You know, these conversations, diversity, inclusion, the Black Lives Matter movement. And this is something that I admire from you. And I got to say it because it's true. And this, the reason why you're here with me is that you are talking about these things in a platform where I feel like nobody wants to talk about them. Well, I guess my question is like, how do you feel about that? And, and are you ever scared that because of that, you would lose opportunities? I mean, not a job because you got a job in the middle of talking about these topics, but moving forward, like, do you feel like you'll ever, ever censor yourself? No. And I will tell you why. Um, first, I'm going to say to the point, are you scared? I was scared, especially on LinkedIn, because the, these times, I'm like, dang, like, I didn't want nothing holding me back. Um, I did in, in undergrad, I did some like social media branding things. And there were some times when they're like, hey, maybe you shouldn't talk about this, or hey, maybe you shouldn't do that. And um, I just, I said, why? Why not? If we expect things to change, if we want things to get better, why would I be the one to silence myself when I've never silenced myself before? If these issues are truly affecting me and my family and I can't be my whole self at work, I'm not going to do my best at work because in the back of my mind, I'm worried about this person in my community who was just killed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or, or these things yep. that are happening in my community. So if I'm unable to speak about these things in the company that I work for, I don't want to work for you because I know I won't be successful. I won't be able to be my full self and I won't be able to bring every part of me to your company because I'm censoring my actual thoughts. Um, and I'm never trying to speak in a way that is derogatory to anyone else or putting anyone else down. But I do try to make sure that I speak in a way where it, it just causes that conversation. But at the same time, I think we are in a place where we need to be past bringing awareness. I think we're in a place where it's like action-based. Getting on LinkedIn, and this is my own personal strategy, I have really been reaching out to women of color who I see speaking out on that platform, on LinkedIn, because they're in their career, they're farther along than I am, and they speak their voice, and I see it. So I'm like, yeah. how have you done this? How have you navigated this? And I reach out to them, and I message them, hey, thank you so much, because like, I know I'm not, you know, too far behind you, but I'm the next generation, and to see you doing this inspires me. So I, I really try to surround myself with people who are doing things that I want to do or in places where I want to be in. And I see those people um, standing in their truth and I, I don't want anything less than that. So um, it would be for me to be 50 or 60 years old and look back on my career and be like, wow, you had great career. You made lots of money, 
but you had no impact on the lives of others. I would be ashamed of myself. <laughs> like, yeah. Especially knowing myself, like knowing who I am internally and understanding that's a whole section of myself that was suppressed just because I wanted to be professional and get a job. Um, yeah. I felt like, you know, I needed to be all of me and the company that's for me will be for me. I really prayed and prayed on my position because, um, and I asked them in the interview, like, I understand this is what I have to bring. I have a lot to offer, but what do you have to offer me as far as diversity goes? Because I don't see that on your board. And I loved, I loved how transparent Ryan was. He said, you know, we are diverse in a lot of things. We're diverse in age. We're diverse, um, in, you know, social class and things like that. Yeah. But we do need to do a lot better in diversifying in our, our race, our, uh, race and things like that and he said and we're actively trying and so I said okay I can work with that I, if you can I did if you can at least own yeah it, like identify yeah. there's a problem and yeah. and then re- like recover recover from that yeah. for sure for yeah. companies right now who are really questioning themselves um on I guess steps next steps on what they should do I say just just do it like we have there's so many diverse groups of people who are just looking for a chance and they yeah. are probably more than qualified for the roles that they have to offer, um, but they just they just are looking for the opportunity. So, yeah. and you know, talking about that real quick, it's a real. I feel like it's a real quick answer. Did you hear or see about how the Wells Fargo CEO claimed that you know they can hire more Black people because they're not because they're not there? Like they they like he doesn't know where to find more black people to hire yeah i'm gonna tell you what i think before you <laughs> before because I, you know people listening in you know you're not seeing jay but it's definitely like <laughs> mm, just thinking that. about it <laughs> yeah. but you know what i think is i call bs mm-hmm. because there are so many ways to find talent nowadays and there are so many and i think i saw someone share it on linkedin and, and the reshare was from a student who went to an HBCU, giving them the facts. Percentage of students, Black students, graduating with this degree that are more than qualified for the positions that you're hiring. Like, it, you know, it's, it's a problem, you know, on the talent acquisition side, it's a problem of not looking in the right places for sure, because it, it takes a lot of effort from a company to promote yourself. Like, hi, we're hiring, we're here, you know, paying a lot of in, in ads on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Indeed, on all these other job sites, for a small, medium company, like it, it's, a, it's a lot of money. But for a company like Wells Fargo, that is unacceptable to yeah. say that you don't have diversity because you can't quote unquote, find the, like the talent. That is simply not true. And it, I mean, <laughs> like, I, I know, I know nobody from HR at Wells Fargo will ever hear this, but if you want to debunk that <laughs> and like, yes, here are, here's the proof that we've tried and it hasn't worked. Yeah, no, like until that happens, I'm never going to believe that. And companies as big as, as Wolf Fargo, you know, fortune 500 companies have no right <laughs> in claiming that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think again, it's, it's a slap in the face um, for so long. It's been, there was a point in time where we were murdered for learning how to read 
<laughs> simply for wanting to learn how to read. Um, fast forward to now, black women are the largest class to graduate from college. And so for you to say that you don't have diverse talent out there, that's a lie. <laughs> and that's a slap the face. <laughs> Um, because we, we fought for so long and for us to get to a place where now we are up here and we are thriving, not just like, not just surviving, we are thriving. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that that's such a slap in the face. And, um, talking about, you know, it, I feel like it wouldn't be an episode about diversity and inclusion and, and, and talking about Black Lives Matter. If I don't bring this up, like I wouldn't be doing it justice. And now with, uh, I, I read somewhere, I'm so sorry that the source ex- escapes me, that the cop arrested for George Floyd's murder posted bail. You know, that's one thing. But, you know, my question when, when we talked was more on the lines of the Brianna verdict. And a lot of people are not thinking about it this way, but that was a social event. You know, the same way that we watch a presidential debate and that we watch, um, the O.J. Simpson like trial, um, the same way we watch a NASA launch, the Breonna Taylor was, you know, an event that shook the community and it broke my heart. The you know the, the outcome of it, and I can't I can't imagine how it must have it, what what it meant for you. So I I kind of want to hear like your side of it. Weeks later, how do you what do you think should have happened? These police brutality topics hit me the hardest, I would say. It literally affected almost everybody I know. (laughs) And so for, there are still people out there who believe, in fact, in fact, Vice President Mike Pence yesterday um, (laughs) in the debate, let the world know that he believes that, you know, basically racial inequality, systemic racism, all that stuff is not real. Um, and they, they, they still truly, there are people out there who still truly believe that. And it's really disheartening in the Breonna Taylor case and the the George Floyd case. I was deeply saddened, but I was also infuriated. Um, at the same time I was numb and that's what sucks (laughs) because. Can Can I ask you this just because. I'm afraid of the answer. Was your reaction more like, were you were you even surprised at the outcome? No, that's, that's what sucks. Um, I honestly, I if they were to get justice, I'd be surprised at this point. And that's, what's the, that's the sad part. That's, and yeah. the level of outrage. Now, what I will say that, um, that surprised me was the level of support that we've gotten from non-minorities because I don't feel like that um, we've gotten that same level of support in recent events. Um, maybe, maybe in the past, like I, I, of course, to, to make any change, you have to have all people. You can't just have black people to make change. You can't just have, yeah. you know, like, like you can't just have minorities. We need the support of white people. Like it just, we, it's just a fact. We, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> um, so it, it took, me seeing that support that kind of made me feel like, okay, there's a little bit of hope here. To see a public execution of a man live and to, to see that we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're all afraid for our lives. We have no idea what's going on. And this woman was asleep in her bed 
in her bed in quarantine at that to, and, and was murdered and there's no justice that just it, it hit a, a different level of home for me that like I didn't even know was there I've heard of police brutality on the streets you know that you're raised as a black person in the community you know you don't talk back to police you always yes sir yes ma'am you you you're always you know my, my take the hoodie off make sure that you make eye contact laugh joke with them like make yourself known to police because you don't want to die like that's not just like a, a, a play thing like they literally teach us this from like age four or five since you can talk oh my god like, what, you what kind of <laughs> what kind of child can you be at that point though if I'm very honest I don't think I was raised like no, I wasn't raised like that I'm not even going to say I don't think. I, I was not raised like that. Mm-hmm. I was raised as a blanket statement. You respect your elders. So, yeah. you know, if a cop is pulling me over, I did something wrong probably, right? But, but having moved to the United States, the narrative has, has changed for me. Now, you know, in certain ways, when my mom talks to me, it's like, you know what happens in the U.S., so be careful. So now it's, now it is like, that is the narrative. Like you look them in the eye, you don't provoke them. Like you like don't, don't do anything sudden. Like you, you've seen like it's, and, and what, you know, kind of gives me goosebumps. It's the, you've seen on the news what happens when you move suddenly or when you do this and, and don't wear, you know, dark clothes, etc. And it's because it's like, you've seen this happen because being, being a girl, you know, being a woman and, being disguised myself with the color of my skin no I'm you know especially when I tan like no I'm gonna look darker so that's you know it's definitely not gonna help some people have told us like you have no reason to get scared and then our answer is like but have you seen what happens when people like us get pulled over that argument like we were talking about earlier about um you know if you are uh, Puerto Rican or Cuban or any like us all I say we're all black because they say we're all black. <laughs> they don't yeah. care. They don't know when they stop you if you're from America or Puerto Rico or Cuba or anything. But I, I but I, I've heard of police brutality in the streets. The Breonna Taylor case messed me up because she was in her bed. There's no way you can comply your sleep, you know. And so I just I was blown away, and I've had so many tough conversations since then. I am appalled at some companies because I do see it as a PR stunt. Um, I, I truly do. I studied PR. I'm a strategic com, com major. Um, <laughs> so I know what you're wow, doing. So you know, yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you're doing. Um, and the, the, the companies that are in support now, I don't know if this is genuine, but it doesn't feel like it because you fired Colin Kaepernick. Um, but it's okay. <laughs> Maybe you've yeah. learned. Maybe I don't. I don't know. So I feel like the conversation is like: Is there is there a right time for a company to post their support? Because yeah. I feel like you know I, I don't know what's going on in those rooms, but it's the conversation must be like: Let's post now, because if we don't, if we stay silent, it's gonna come back to bite us. Yeah. But then there's another end that says, but if we post now, people are gonna think we're milking off of it. Yeah. And it's like you know, and it's like it's almost like a you can never win situation. However, I don't think that should be an excuse to not do anything. And this is where we need diversity of thought is a way to talk about it and come off as sincere. Yeah. Because people don't like, we spend all our days reading from our phone, 
and on social media. So we know when something sounds fake. What do you think we should all do better as people of color and or start doing that we're not doing? I think one thing would be to make sure that we are advocating for each other. I believe that it should be, hey, you get this opportunity and you pull somebody else out and you help them get to these places where they can offer their opinions and create thought leadership. If we continue to push each other down, you know, we're already suppressed. (laughs) So we can't afford We really can't. So I would just say to continue to help each other, educate each other. We can't do it on our own. So we do need the support of white people. And we do need the support of people who are in those higher positions too. Um, it's, it's time to stop saying, let's have the conversation. I think now there's so much awareness. There's so much that has been gone on, especially because we were all like stuck in the house. So like it forced you to be able to see what's going on. I feel yeah. like for so long, we've had the distraction of sports and concerts and work and a whole bunch of things. And this was God's way of saying, slow down and wake up. <laughs> and Yeah, no, and sorry. And, and exactly how you mentioned it, like before it was a news cycle. Like, there's a phrase for it and I forgot, but you know, it, it was front and center for a while until the next thing happened. You know, we hear about George Floyd, we hear about Breonna Taylor, but there's so many names out there that don't get the airtime the the black lives matter movement and everything that we're dealing with is the bare minimum like (laughs) it's not we're not saying like black lives matter than anywhere else we're just saying like dang can we live (laughs) we just yeah you know what and i'm I'm so impressed i'm I'm so impressed i'm a little bit shocked and ashamed of myself that i didn't start off with a question like that like what is this all lives matter i mean we've been we've been new However, do you die at the same rate that Black people do for doing absolutely nothing but living? Therefore, Black Lives Matter. And something that I that I want to ask you is, because you posted like something on LinkedIn, and I think that was the post that I was like, listen, got to have her talk about this. Is it our jobs to educate everybody? There's two parts to that question. Uh, and I'm really glad you asked it because... We're tired, literally physically tired because me personally, and again, I'm not diversity and inclusion. Uh, I'm certified, you know, like this, I'm just a black yeah. woman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I'm grateful for the opportunity um, that I've had. I did attend an HBCU ahead of, um, and transfer to a PWI. I did grow up in a predominantly white town. And so because of that, all most of my connections originally, you know, that I have deep connections with are with white people. Um, and so I'm glad that they feel a sense of connection with me to, to ask me these questions. In some ways, I feel obligated to teach. But at the same time, I do believe that you have to take those steps and educate yourself. If I'm going to teach you and take all this time and out of my own workday, out of my own personal, like, I don't want to talk about the death of Black people all day, every day. I would love to talk about art or dance or ice cream or like, there's so much more yeah. to us as Black people um, than heartache. And, and if you ask me questions, I'll answer them. I don't know, like, I, it's just in my nature. I'll answer the question for sure. I feel like the questions should be followed with, and what can I do to help? Yeah. You know, you informed me of the problem. How do I serve as an ally? 
for me, sometimes those conversations is like, go out and research your, you know, your political candidates, find out, like after you, I answer your questions, go out and do your research. Um, and I feel like with with the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, and being an ally, it's it. Yes, you can ask, you know, we're not saying don't ask me questions. I don't want to talk about it is I'll be glad to talk about it. But please follow it up with and what can I do to help? I feel like people do have the best intentions in topics so sensitive such as this. Action is required. Don't go off doing crazy things like, you know, get with a community. I would never think that I was going to say this, but go out there, vote, speak your mind, like, you know, hold your, you know, in the workplace, hold your leadership accountable in your personal life, hold your friends and family accountable. That's, 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 that's what it is. When people say like silence is violence, I don't think they're saying like all white people are bad or all police no. are bad or anything. That's no, not what yep. we're asking at all. All we're asking is if you see something, say something. They speak yeah. up. Say, hey, this isn't okay. And it takes a lot of baby steps to get there. If you do your part, then, and we all do our part, then we will, we will get better. If you just think like, well, my little part doesn't matter. And a whole bunch of people start thinking their little part doesn't matter. Well, then Then nobody, we're here where we are today. So, and listen, you know, through our conversation, so many other questions that run through my head, I feel like we should make a second part. There's a lot of things we could talk about, but I feel like microaggression in the workplace. And then not only as, you know, as black people or Hispanic, but also as women. That is a whole other hour long episode. Three, four, five episodes. And I really want to thank you, Jay, for for saying yes, for giving me the time of your day. But if I honestly, if I don't stop it now, I'm going to keep on going for five more hours. But and you know, and and I feel like in some sense, more people should. Um, So I'm going to end it the same way as Daniel it you know what are three things that if people skip this whole episode but they want to listen in to the last minute what are three things they should have learned from this episode i would say number one is understand that people of color all people of color all people of minorities um we're not in a place where we are trying to attack white people we're not in a place where we want to attack the police If anything, we want more unity than ever. All we are asking is that you see us, say that you see us and you understand what we're going through. You sympathize with what we're going through and ask us what you can do, what actions that you can take to help make change. Not just speak about it, not just post about it, not just wear a t-shirt, not just paint the street, like actions that you can do to help change Um, the narrative of what's going on in our communities. Um, Secondly, I would say vote. (laughs) And that sounds like, you know, just something that should be, I don't know, talked about, but literally just vote. Like, make sure that you take the time and understand who is running for office locally. Just, yeah, just make sure you get out there and vote because this election matters your voice literally matters like as much as people would like to say my little voice doesn't matter like no your no. voice truly does matter so take that time and vote lastly i would say pray and that's just me personally <laughs> make sure that y'all are literally like you need we need to seek prayer in these times and do what we can um to bring a little jesus back to this because (laughs) honestly i i feel like and or whoever you pray to but 
I pray to Jesus and I feel like um, we just need hope right now. This is a crazy times um, in our physical, mental, emotional state, understanding that all these issues that we're facing, these aren't, and this is a whole nother topic, but a lot of the things that we're facing are more than physical things. I love it. And I truly appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> I was the one who threw the word voting out there. So I, I'm holding myself accountable. We need we need to keep having these conversations. And, and my whole idea with unboxing with Ashley is that like having the tough conversations for a while, I've been thinking about bringing a guest on. And I think this, this couldn't have been a better, a better guest, honestly. Like I just... You know, I'm going to pat myself on the back. I did great. <laughs> but you know what? You know, you know who else I'm going to, you know, shout out for sure, Daniel, because if it weren't for Mastering College to Career, like we're truly a family for sure. And if it weren't for that and, and the community we've created, I don't think we, you know, I don't think we would have connected because um, that's how LinkedIn works. Mm-hmm. So, but you and I could preach about LinkedIn all day too. Jesus. Yeah. So <laughs> we definitely are going to do another episode. We have to. I'm yeah, this, we have to. <laughs> I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like at this point we, we got to. Thank you so much for listening in and we'll catch you on the next episode of Unboxing with Ashley.